morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Chosen Life. I'm your host, The Chosen Lawyer. After weeks of marinating on this particular episode, I'm very excited to be here today. Um, I got to speak with Melissa for a few minutes and uh, it's amazing. You know, I already feel like I've known her for a lifetime and you're about to learn about her as well. When you think about integrity, hard work, trustworthiness in politics, it's Melissa Landsman. Melissa, welcome to The Chosen Life. Well, that's a good intro. Thanks for having me. You know, the whole part about podcasting, it's about the intro at the end of the day, my feeling is. And it's funny, we started, uh, you know, reminiscing and realizing we're brothers and sisters from different mothers, you know, because we realize now we could have made a whole episode, you know, on our various interests, including baseballs and cars. And it's funny how uh, you live lives in different arenas and yet we gravitate to similar interests. Well, it sounds like uh, I mean, I grew up really literally around the corner from uh, from where you live and we never crossed paths before. So this is a good opportunity to to get to know you and to for your viewers to get to know this. Well, like I was telling you why this episode came to be was that I was speaking to uh, my future nephew-in-law. And Do we like him? We love him. Okay, good. Zach Rain, Rain Finance, he's been twice on, on The Chosen Life already because he's that good. He has a good base, actually. It's funny. He's, uh, his audience comes and uh, gravitates to the podcast. And we were talking after one episode, and he said to me, you know, you have to have Melissa next. I said, she's on the list, and I was thinking about her last night. This means we got to do it now. I was going to wait for a few weeks and I said, Zach, the fact that you raised it, it's destiny. I'm going to do it. I reached out to your team and lo and behold, within a day, let's do it. Amazing. Is that so, how- like Zach, first of all, welcome to the family. Yes. You're, you're, you're like marrying into a good one, it seems. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. And uh, we take the opportunity to do these things uh, because they're real. And uh, you get to see all of the sort of the pomp and circumstance of, of, uh, of parliament. And you never get to know uh, who, who leaders are in your community. So I'm glad that you're doing this. And I, I've been watching a lot of your videos you're posting online. And I got to tell you, you are a rock star on social media. The people love you. I see the comments. I see the stuff you put out there. And it's exactly the way you're saying it. It looks and it feels real, authentic. This is who Melissa is. This is what I'm about. And this is what I'm putting out there. Does that? Does I that... certainly hope so. And I, I have plenty of years to disappoint everybody. But for now, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, I'm learning the trade and uh, it's a it's a it's a tough gig. Nobody told nobody can really explain to you what it what it feels like to uh, to have that responsibility. Uh, and it's a humbling feeling to 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 be able to speak and to do the thing that you think is right. And then to get the support, uh, the overwhelming support of the community. So I'm pretty happy about that. And again, lots of time to screw up. Well, I was, I was going to be saying this near the end of the episode, but I am going to throw that out there now that we're going to look back on this episode in a few years when you are going to be the future prime minister of Canada. I see that happening. I'm manifesting this for you. And when you are and you are at that office, I hope you will be back on The Chosen Life by then. Well, I'll always be back on The Chosen Life. I don't know what office it's going to be because I, I, I always, you know, you make plans and then uh, and then God laughs. So we're going to take it one step at a time and I'm going to make sure uh, that the people of Thornhill are represented uh, very well before we take any next steps. And hopefully that next step, first and foremost, will be a strong, stable, national, conservative majority government. Amen. Well, one of the first things I will tell you is that I knew we were going to get along before we met. Why? We have the common love of Thornhill and sneakers. For sure. You always been a sneakerhead? Life is too short to wear dress shoes. It's too short to, to wear black and blue suits. Um, look, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a sneaker fan. I'm I'm very casual for uh, for a politician because I think that's how people live. I'm, you know, I don't get dressed up on uh, on Saturdays and Sundays, and I take that right into the week. It, I can tell you as a lawyer how many times I've had client appointments. Back when we actually had appointments, right? Like when we actually met people face to face, like we're doing this right now. Yeah. And then it became a virtual world and started signing people up virtually. And I don't see that changing that part of it, but it's still nice to have in person, especially when you're doing seminars and things like that. It's really hard to do it online, I find. But I would come to meet people and they'd say. Oh, you're wearing a suit with sneakers. That's original. And I was doing, I've been doing this for years. And I, I, you know, sometimes I get that crooked look a bit. And I would see, like, almost like in their brain, they're trying to measure me up, saying, How professional is he based on his shoes? But today, I don't think that's the case anymore. What you're, do you think? Uh, I think you're a solid lawyer in, uh, in solid and in good taste, with good taste in sneakers. Um, I think this is a business of, of relationships, uh, particularly politics. It's a business of connecting with people and meeting people. So I think, you know, the Zoom world, uh, not a fan of it, was never a fan of it, but I think it's particularly terrible um, for trying to 
for trying to be empathetic to people's stories, for trying to help them, for trying to sort of get the feeling of, uh, you know, of, of what it's like to be in their shoes. Uh, you can't do that uh, on, uh, on Zoom. So I hope that we never do that again. I hope so as well. I, I, I now that we're seeing face to face, like I, I, I told you, I went to Miami for a vacation before uh, this interview, and I was away for a little bit. And it's amazing, you know, when you're seeing in, in, in different, it almost like you're in a different world. It's like you're going back in a time machine to what it was, and then you come back here, and we're starting to get there. But it, every place in the world is different with that. But it, amen that we all getting back to normalcy for sure. Whatever normalcy yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's never go back. So that being said, first and foremost, before we begin everything. People see Melissa Lansman, they want to hear, in your words, the Melissa Lansman story. You come into this world, you grow up through. At what point did you know you were going to be doing what you're doing right now? Well, I, I, I grew up like a lot of other people right here in Thornhill to immigrant parents. Um, you know, they, they worked hard. Uh, I came from, a, I came from what, what I call a mixed marriage. Um, my mom was a liberal. Uh, my father was a conservative and it was always sort of a, a fight of, of, of who gets, you know, who gets, who gets Melissa, who, wh which side is she going to, uh, to choose? So I, I grew up in a, in a family where every discussion was on the table that, uh, I was super engaged in, uh, in world affairs and, uh, and the conversations were always sort of a level above where they should have been for, for a little kid. Cause I, I grew up with a much, much older brother. So I never, I, if I couldn't keep up with the conversation, it just wasn't uh, happening. So I, you know, I, I grew up to two parents that, uh, that came to this country. Uh, my dad was, my dad's an engineer who was uncredentialed, uh, who worked really hard as a cab driver and then a plate owner and then a dispatcher and then a small business guy and then a medium business guy. Uh, and so he worked his way up and I grew up with a mom who was a professional, who went to school here, who was an accountant. And, uh, you know, it's 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 interesting because what shaped my worldview is how the world treated them so differently. Both really, really smart, but my you know my dad didn't wear a suit to work, and my mom did, and she worked in an office, and my dad didn't. And the way that the world treated uh, either of them was was shocking to me. You know, the people talked to to my mom in a very different way that they talked to 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 my dad, and I just I. I saw that as a as a huge problem, and it really, really shaped my worldview of the way that we look at the value of work in this world, the value of hard work, the value of hard work and getting ahead and putting food on the table and making sure your kids are uh, are educated and have every opportunity. Uh, and my mom, my mom didn't do that any more than my dad because she had a different job, and my dad didn't do that any more than my mom because he had a different job, um, and it colored my view about what it means. Um, to, you know, to do the right thing. I also grew up in a hardcore Zionist family. I grew up with a, uh, with a love for, for Israel, with a love for, for Judaism, with a love for, for, for hard work and, and in a really, really loving family. And uh, it was, you know, it was right here like everyone else. Uh, and uh, that's what shaped, that's what shaped Melissa now. There was a, there's never a clear path to, uh, to politics because I also grew up in a family where it was like, okay, maybe you're not smart enough to be a doctor. We want you to be a lawyer. You could be an accountant. Your mom's an, an accountant, but you could probably you could probably be a really good lawyer. And politics was like, you can't do this. It's a hobby. Get a real job. Uh, and I kept doing this, and I got into it really, really young. Uh, and uh, you know, then I started. My parents started getting interested. Uh, you know, they they started sort of following me because I was so passionate uh, about about being involved in uh, in politics and sort of youth groups and and uh, uh, and Israel advocacy and they just they just saw a fire and they they let me run with it and I'm really lucky to have parents who just let me run with it do you think it's a coincidence that a lot of people that get into politics do have a legal background well it's not a coincidence it's actually like it's actually rather helpful uh, look at the end of the day we are looking through complicated sometimes not complicated, but complicated legislation. Uh, and we're the ones, you know, who, who vote on it. We vote on it on, the, on behalf of the people of Thornhill. Now, there's lots of parts to this job, but fundamentally, at the end of the day, you're the one passing laws. Uh, yeah. So you better, you, you better understand or you better find someone who's going to explain it to you. And so having that background really, really helps. For sure. It's funny because we were talking about growing up with immigrant parents, and I, I grew up the same way. It was doctor, lawyer, accountant, Take your pick. Marketing? Right. No, I'm sorry. That does not fit into one of the three categories. That's right. And uh, it, and I've had people ask me, they said, you know, you enjoy speaking in groups and everything else. You have your opinions. Why don't you go into politics? 
And it's funny as a lawyer, it seems like I could see the springboard of it, but you have to make the decision. It's a really big decision at the end of the day. It's, it's no different to me when somebody religious wise decides to become a priest or a rabbi. That really takes your identity, yep. you know, and you choose to be a lawyer. That's part of your identity. And so for you, you know, when you made that decision to have that springboard, did you ever have a fear as far as losing that identity by, by choosing that career? Well, I, look, I, I was, you know, I was never I never became a, a lawyer. I, I, I worked in all kinds of different things. Like you, I, by the way. Good choice. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably a good good idea. But I worked in politics. I worked in the in the private sector. Uh, you know, I ran a, a, a big piece of a, of a business in the in the PR world, and I was a good communicator. I remember once I, I, I you know when I was young, I was I don't really want to go to university. Maybe it's not my thing. Maybe I just want to explore a little bit, and that was just not an option. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, well, maybe I'll go to school for English lit. Like I could just sit around in the courtyard, read books all day. You know, do university things make that what you will and my, my dad's like no absolutely not you're not going to school for english like you're not living here forever so it was uh you know it was as much as they they allowed me to do what i wanted to do and and uh, uh and, and and frankly encouraged me to 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 do what i want to do there was a lot of limits on that i can imagine now where you're at today being an mp uh, at what point did you make the decision? I, I want to go for this. I think I have a really good chance at it. Like, talk, yeah, let's look, walk us through that process. I've wanted to. I've wanted to do this for a long time, and we were blessed in the community to have uh, Peter Kent here uh, as the federal MP. For, very, very right? loved Peter Kent. Right. Yes, yes. So, and I worked with Peter, and you know, we had we had our you know we had Peter's first barbecue in the community, and I'd always been a sort of a volunteer, and I'd worked on national campaigns, and I got to work side by side with uh, with Stephen Harper and lots of the ministers that we remember from a government of days that were better than these days that we have now, and uh, um, I, I said, you know, one day I'm, I'm going to do this, and and I thought that I had a bit more time. I thought Peter had another four years in him, so I wasn't really thinking about it. And Peter, you know, Peter told me. Sometime, you know, in August, last August, he said, I'm not doing this again. I'm going to do, I'm going to do some other things. I'm like, okay, well, this is going to be a really tough nomination and I want to do this. So I just, just decided that, uh, that all of my skills and all of my training were going to go into fighting for, for this nomination. Cause I knew that I could represent this community well. And here we are. Uh, there was, there's a, there's a lot of messiness on the way, but, sure. uh, uh, but you know, here we are and I'm six months into, uh, into the job. I've got a lot to learn. Feels like six years, by the way. Uh, tell me about it. Feels <laughs> well, like six years for me. Cause it, it's a couple of things in my mind because you were replacing a legend. I didn't know, I, know. If we were, I didn't know we were going to go there now, but Peter Kent's like the Babe Ruth of Thornhill. Totally. Like, everybody loves Peter. Absolutely. Like I've been to a lot of events and Peter is like, I hate to say God, but like Peter is he's still Moses. loved. He's like I, I know. He's, he's, I mean, he like still Moses. comes here too, and he's uh, he's he's been so helpful and such a mentor. Uh, and if I could do you know half as good as as him in my first you know in my first number of months, which I am which I'm trying to do, I, I think we're going to serve this community well. We have a super engaged electorate in uh, in Thornhill. We have you know we have young people that want to be involved. We've got older people that want to be involved, and everybody you know everybody's got an opinion here. Oh, and uh, and I get a lot of good advice from the community. But first and foremost, I, I you know it was it's like a what would Peter do? Yes. Uh, and sometimes it's not the same as what I would do, and we have a different style. But uh, I always rely on his advice, his counsel, and his mentorship. And uh, I'm really really blessed to have that. Lots of people don't don't just step into an office of a of a guy in the same party. There's you know, sometimes you beat somebody right. from another party and you don't know where to start. But like this was like a turnkey operation. He had great staff. Uh, you know, he, he had he's got a great footprint. The relationships were seamless. Um, I'm like super, super blessed with the with the circumstance in which I get to represent the riding. I've never heard a bad thing said about Peter Kent, to be honest. And I know met him enough times. Do you want one good Peter Kent story? Let's do it. Peter Kent knocking on the door at my mom's house. I'm eating Chinese food and it's dinner time and she goes over to the door. She opens up. Peter, how are you, Peter? And he's like, nice to meet you. Peter, listen, you have my vote. You need to go into other houses. And don't waste time, Peter. You have to go. Go, Peter, go. And my mom shoes Peter Kent to go to the other houses and get more votes. <laughs> well, your mom knows how to do this. She's a strong willed. You know, she's probably been his campaign manager. But uh, I, and I met him at, at a synagogue function, I remember. And like he was just very engaging. And the funny thing out of it is, and it's not disrespectful to Peter Kent at all, but when you were coming in, I didn't know you yet. And I saw the signs. I said, how is this person going to live through Peter Kent's shadow? To be honest, this is now Melissa Lansman territory. Like you've came. It's a both territory. Like, like I'm saying, not, not in a bad way, but at the end of the day, 
we remember Peter, we love Peter, but you've put your footprint. People know you, recognize you, and, and you already have to overcome that part of it. It's great to have his support, but you've made your way, and I found that very impressive. Yeah, look, I, I had I had every advantage to to be able to to start on the on the right foot. Uh, you know, everything was set up. Everything uh, when you have such a good MP here for 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 twelve years, and you have the support of that MP, there's a lot of people that have built trust with uh, with Peter, and yes. him transferring that trust uh, to me allowed a lot of other people to do it without necessarily meeting me and I've still got so many people to meet here we're just getting out of uh, you know out of into a time where we can meet uh, people in uh, in person and I've got a lot of catching up to do for a guy who was here for 12 years it's amazing and he feels like it was here for 30 years so I know but you feel like you've been here for six already that's so. right that's right that being said to the young voters out there you know and one thing with politics especially Canadian politics I found as the years went along the, young, the, the voters are coming up as they're turning of age, but they seem less engaged, less engaged, disenchanted. They don't feel they have a say. They don't have a vote. And the one thing is, you know, you're really good at reaching that audience. And for the people watching that are in the Thornhill writing, getting to know you uh, and saying, what does an MP do? You know, walk us through that. You know, what essentially voting, making laws like what is the day to day of Melissa Lance? Yeah, well, the day to day is that there's never two days that are the same. And so there is Melissa Lanceman in Ottawa standing up for the community and the interests of the community in Ottawa on various pieces of legislation, on programs, on the ability to to, to get grants and uh, uh, to help organizations through, you know, through the rough patch or or. Uh, you know, or to grow. Uh, that's that's the Ottawa part of it. There's okay. there's the legislative piece. There's the voting on legislation. There's the speaking to uh, to bills. There's the being part of the the conservative team. And you know, the people of Thornhill had the good sense to elect a, a conservative again uh, through through what is you know another liberal uh, liberal government. So there's an important job of uh, of opposition. And then there's the the Thornhill part, which is actually the part that I, I like the most, which is engagement in the community, is, is solving people's uh, problems. And we've got, you know, I don't do that myself. We've got a we've got a great office here. And so if you've got a passport problem, an immigration problem, a uh, problem with uh, the, the, the big bad tax man, uh, we will help you through it. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking to businesses, making sure that policy in this country uh, it's friendly for, for, you know, for people to have small businesses and not just because they started with a really big business and now they have a small business, but to grow in this, uh, uh, in this community to, to make their footprint in Thornhill, to allow young people to, to own a, uh, own a home here, to allow, you know, communities to, uh, to have the freedom to, to choose and practice whatever they want, whenever, uh, they want. Like we're, We've got we're in an interesting situation, and I know that we're going to talk about this in in this country. And it's it's not one that I think is is going in the right direction. I think this country is going in the wrong direction, and I think the people, uh, you know, Thornhill are dependent on uh, on me to have their voice heard in uh, in Ottawa on what I think is going wrong. I don't, it feels like we're not even going in the wrong direction. We're just we're at this roadblock, like we're driving down this horrible road, and we've reached this roadblock. And like we're, the lights are off, and where are we supposed to go? But we will get into that. Well. You already answered one of my questions clearly, like when we were talking beforehand as far as being born, raised in Thornhill. So I would take it that being being an MP in Thornhill was a no-brainer simply because you were born here. Sure. You, you've grown up here. You're invested in here. You love this community. So that I was won like the birth lottery. Like my parents, my parents yes. came here. They lived at Bathurst and Steeles, and then and then once you know once you made my 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 mom was like, we're moving north of Steeles. Like that's that was the the mm. dream. So I was uh, you know I, I was like two years old or probably not even two years old when they bought their uh, their first house here. And before that, we were on the other side of Thornhill. It's like east side Thornhill. It's like bit foreign to me it's not part of lots of it is not part of our riding uh uh anymore but uh yeah i i mean i grew up here i i, I see that you know there's something special about a thornhill kid they come back yes right they so always seem to they always come back so we, we we have we have people that uh that leave for university maybe they meet somebody maybe they they flirt with midtown a little bit on a condo but they always come back so it's it's amazing just you know being out and about in the community how many people are you know back in thornhill woods or or back just north of here where you can reconnect with uh um, with people, so it's uh, like it's a it's a it's a it's a fun community, and it's a it's a real it's a real gem in the middle of uh, not only a sea of red, but we've just got so much going on here, um, and and such a special place to share with the world in terms of who we are and what we believe. 
Thornhill adopted me as a teenager, and so we're not letting you go. The, and I'm no, no plans to go. I honestly, I love it here. I love eating at Center Street Deli. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the community, and it is a very special community. Like you're saying, we know, God willing, the subway will come one day. But regardless, it it's there, and it's and and it's funny because you're right in Toronto, but you're not, and you can go north, but you're not. So it's a right. great right in between. Now, when we were talking about your parents, and as far as their divide politically wise. I try to explain to millennials now what you see as political parties today and what you think they represent was very different when we were kids. For sure. Because in my mind, and I'm overgeneralizing, obviously, but you had the conservative on the right, liberals in the middle, and the NDP on the left. Now it feels like the liberals have gone where the NDP were. The NDP have dropped off to where the Green Party is. Green Party, we wouldn't go there. And the conservatives have, have stayed consistent. From that end, growing up and, and having diversity with your parents as far as where they were headed, you know, I see where other politicians have gone and it feels like there is an allegiance for a lot, but some people like the flip-flop. Why did you choose the Conservative Party? What was your reasoning? Well, it's, it's I, th- you know, I thought this was the party that most clearly represented the values that, you know, whether my parents knew it or not, raised me with. Uh, I think it's the only party that respects um, freedom. I think it's the only... Th- party that respects uh, freedom of religion and, and 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 celebrates it. I think it's the only party that even has, you know, a fiscal bone in its body and, and, and even talks about the sustainability of our finances. I, I know I think it's a you know, I think it's a party that is big tent and welcoming. And there's been many different iterations of, uh, of the Conservative Party, and I've always had a home in it. Uh, and today, I, I don't understand the Liberal Party of uh, of today. I, I understand that it's bad for for the country. I understand that it's in a marriage with uh, with an NDP party. I think it's eaten the lunch of the the NDP and just taken that uh, that very very far left view. This is not the Liberal Party that my mother supported. Uh, right. There was once a Liberal Party that was rather fiscally responsible. Mm-hmm. Some would argue, but rather fiscally responsible, who who who, who cared about Canada's place in the world, uh, who cared about those things, and this is not the Liberal Party that we're seeing under under Justin Trudeau. So, you know, my mom switched uh, like all good conservatives. She she made she made a switch in two thousand and six when she saw my interest in uh, in politics, and I think she she latched onto the vision of uh, of of Stephen Harper, like so many did, in uh, in this community, and she never looked back. Um, but that's that was. You know that was close to uh, that was close to her to her values. I, I would call her a, a blue liberal, purple. She was a purple. Now I can't tell you how many times I've sat at dinner parties and had engagements with people, and they come back and they're saying, "I did not vote for Stephen Harper. I did not appreciate how good we had it until he left, and I'm so sorry what I did." You know that's the, that was the ongoing sentiment I noticed, but we can't go back in the time machine at no. the end of the day. And it's funny because at the end of the day, there are votes and people do get to decide. And we are where we are today. And that's one of the things I want to just jump right into. When you think of Canada today, where are we at today? Where do you see Canada currently Look, I at? think we're in a place where, where we are uncompetitive and we could be more competitive. I think we're in a place where we have no vision for, for who we want to be. Like the, You know, when you're, when you're talking about it, and many will understand this from a business perspective, when you have this big challenge question of like, what are we trying to solve? Um, I think we're just sort of hapless, like in the in the wind where we're printing money, meaning there is, you know, less dollars chasing fewer goods, which is which is raising the price of uh, of everything. That's what you're seeing, the inflationary pressure. We are printing money when we don't have it for things that we don't need. And we're not thinking about what that means um, for the future. We are you know, we, we've got. We've got 100% increases in the in the in the last year on permanent program spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's you know that's problematic in my view, and this is more of an ideological uh, problem um, for for me. And the way that I explain it is, we used to have you know groups, uh, strong civil society groups, churches, synagogues, Rotary clubs, uh, you know. Jewish Youth Network, whatever it is, that used to play this role in the community to take care of the community. And the government sort of came in and says, we can do it better. And the, the truth is, is, government can never do anything better uh, than civil society can. I, I, I fundamentally believe that. And so when government gets bigger, um, it's really, really hard to make it smaller. And it weakens civil society and it weakens our institutions and it weakens our community. Uh, and we start to rely on government for things we never needed to rely on government. And again, you know, 
the last person I want running my business or my life or the decisions for my family is the government. They don't do it well. I was, tell I was telling you off camera before we were, we were, we were going to go live. Imagine, you know, the idea of somebody comes to a lawyer and they're going to refinance their house. Right. And they're sitting with like six credit card debts, a couple lines of credit. And what is the worst possible thing to do is to refinance, pull out more money, take on more debt rather than getting your fiscal house in order. That's right. You know, and it's funny because, you know, the mentality back, the immigrant mentality in the 60s, 70s, 80s was I'm going to pay off my mortgage and then I'm going to buy investment properties. I'm going to build myself, you know, uh, a nest egg, so to speak. Not to get to the point that I'm in my 60s and 70s, I'm up to my eyeballs in debt, and my income is nowhere close to what I need to live on. Yeah, like we, we've organized, it's, it's, it's not only the finances, we've organized ourselves out of being competitive into this like regulatory hell, yes. pardon my French, um, into where it's hard to build things. It's hard to grow a business here. It's hard to get a driver's license here. It's hard to get a passport. It, like, why are these things so hard when everything else is at the tip of your fingers and everything else in your life is easier? Government makes things harder. Uh, and we've, you know, we've overregulated ourselves to the point where you've got people, you know, in, in, in our age bracket that are like, I don't want to do this anymore here. I don't want to raise my family in this community. I can't afford to raise my family in this community. Like, I don't understand. I can't make sense of any of the policies. Why is the price of gas so high? Uh, you know, why are my groceries, you know, twice as much for, for, for half as much? Why are we in a cost of living uh, crisis? Because, well, the answer is, is we, we had gone into something in the last two years where we, that we weren't ready for. And then we just, we just blew the bank. Uh, and now we are we are having a hard time getting off of that, and we continue to do uh, the things that we don't necessarily need to do. Uh, and it's uh, it's hard to wean people off of uh, you know of the program. The common thing I'm told by business owners, I have a lot of them as clients. Sure. And they tell me it's very very simple. You can't sit as a business, hand out money like Pez, and hope it's going to work out. There's only going to be one of two things going to happen. You're either going to print more, and you're going to make it, your money completely worthless or you're going to tax everybody even more to recoup it. And either way, it gives no hope to the business owners, like you said, and they have to look at other climates and, and environments to be able to find where sure. to sustain themselves. And that's a scary thing because, you know, Canada was a point of manufacturing. There was a point of business growth and people were very you know, strong in their communities. And then you hear of towns where they lose their industry, they yeah. start to shut down. And that's the saddest thing possible. Yeah, look. We're not going to make the things that we used to make, but we we certainly should be competitive in other industries. We've got a, we've got a, a natural resources sector that can power the world. We've got enough educated people, uh, you know, in in order to 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 to. to frankly, do anything we wanted in the world. We've got enough food uh, to feed ourselves. We can be energy independent. We can do all of these things, but we don't. Yes. You know, one of the one of the things the people making decisions in Ottawa never run a business. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you the perfect little story. Please. I was setting up this office um, and it's an MP office. I've set up offices before. You know, we 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 ran a you know, I've, I've run in companies where we, you know, achieve a profit because uh, that's what you do in business. And so the the person on the other line was telling me, well, it's like running a small business, you know, running an office. You get a budget and you you know, you can hire any budget. I'm like, that's not like running a small business at all. You're just you're just giving me money for you know, for us to do the activities. That's not what a business is. A business is supposed to clear profit. So just the, the, the understanding of, you know, of, of, of how the real world works and the policymakers in Ottawa. And this is why I try to get out in the community. Yes, this is why yes. I try to talk to as many people as I can, because the policymakers in Ottawa end up being the gatekeepers to our future. They end up, they end up hampering us from a, from a regulatory perspective without any, even an ounce of, uh, of care for, uh, for, for, for frankly, the competitiveness that we should be striving for. So that being said, we got three years to go, right? Until Maybe. we, until the next federal election. Maybe. I mean, a deal yeah. is as good as a deal is on a, on the paper napkin that it's written on. And I haven't seen the paper napkin. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see like there's, there's some big, big 
spending plans. You know when um, you know in the movies when they say like, is there anybody who who has a reason why these two people should not be married? Yes. In, in holy matrimony or whatever the line is in all of those movies, I've never actually seen that happen at a yes. wedding. Uh, and you're like, yes, I can think of a thousand reasons why the NDP shouldn't marry the liberals, and I'm sure the liberals have a thousand reasons that they shouldn't marry the NDP, right. and the NDP have a thousand reasons why they shouldn't marry the liberals. So we'll see how long that marriage lasts. That's all I'll say to that. Fair enough. You know, it's um, I, I was surprised personally, but it's it, it's funny. It looks it looks good, and I think in some people's minds, as far as being have cohesiveness, but when they actually sit down and realize that their values don't match, for sure, all the amount of marriage counseling will not necessarily fix that. That's right. It's going to cost a lot. So now we were we were speaking as well about this book that came out, right? The and love- so the, yeah, it's a thin little book. Okay, and it's called the budget. Called the budget, right? Um, I I like fables myself. You know, mm-hmm. um, is that your favorite? Um, you know what? I like optimistic stories, and I like ones where there's happy endings. Yes, and when I'm starting to read a story in a fable, and you know, and I and I and I don't know where it's going exactly, and this ending can only go bad. To me, it's 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 like watching a horror movie. That's that's the best way I can describe that budget is a horror movie from a business perspective. Right. And when when you went through it, like what were impressions you had? Like, did anything stick out to you in particular? Yeah, look, so a, a budget document should be the government's vision. It mm-hmm. should be the government's vision of where they want the country. They have one opportunity every year to be able to communicate with the Canadian public. Like, hey, guys, this is where we're going. This is the direction that we're taking our country in. And this document was soft on on any kind of vision. Mm-hmm. It was, it you know, it, I suppose it could have been worse, but not much. Like this is $50 billion of new spending. And part of that is is the merger with the with the NDP, but we don't have a plan. We have a whole bunch of ideological promises that we want to be true that aren't going to be true. Like everybody needs to drive an electric car in the next 10 years. Well, we all know that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're about 3% in, in, in this province. Um, you know, dental care. Uh, there was no promise of pharmacare, but apparently it's coming. And we've just got to get like that. The, the 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 house is on fire, and we've got to put out the fire, not throw gasoline on it. And I think that's exactly what this budget does in terms of spending. And that's worse. It's spending without any kind of vision for Canada. Even like uh, I'm involved in the real estate market heavily as a real estate lawyer, and saying, okay, foreigners are now banned from buying for sure. the next two years. When you actually look at the numbers, how many are actually buying and the percentage of everything else, it's nice window dressing. I think it may look good to the public, but the reality is it's not going to have an effect. Yeah, a lot of these things, I, I think yeah. this, I think that housing, uh, it's not It's not a simple answer, but I think one of the issues with housing is that we just don't have enough of it. And nothing in this budget says, this is how many houses we are going to build this year. It's like fancy savings programs, fancy, uh, ex, you know, some kind of thing called the the, the accelerator, uh, a tax on or, or a ban on foreign buyers. Um, but none of these things actually solve the supply side problem of we don't have enough of this asset uh, and we've got to build more. So, uh, you know, it's like if I was to make an amendment, I would be like, yes. delete everything after the date and yes. start over. That's what I would do with this budget. It feels to me like a metaphor of, let's say, taking a restaurant and a restaurant that's failing, bringing somebody off the street that has no experience whatsoever, making them to write the menu, pick the ingredients and cook it themselves. And you don't have the training and the experience. Maybe you shouldn't be doing this. And that's kind of feels like somebody that doesn't really understand what long term effects are in the future. Absolutely. Just let's just slap. But I'd rather eat that meal because at least at the end of that meal, you'll know, Okay, like I'm not I I don't like this. I'm going to I'm going to switch this. I'm not going to come here again. The problem is, is with spending plans like this, you're Mm -hmm. stuck with this for a really long time. Your kids are stuck with it. Their Mm -hmm. kids are stuck with it. Their kids are stuck with it. Right. And that's and that's the future effects as far as once you implement something and it doesn't go so great. It's really hard to get out of that cycle sometimes. Correct. Now, that being said, I'm going to ask you to wear a very difficult hat. Okay. I'm going to ask you to put on your teacher hat right now. Okay. And we're sitting in our classroom over their terms, the two leaders from the other parties, we've got Justin, we've got Jagmeet and their parties. Since they've come to be, you need to sit and you need to write out their report card. If you had to give them a grade and you had to give the comments as a teacher, what would you be saying to each of them? Okay. I, you know, I think this one's an easy one for me. I, I think Justin Trudeau has failed this country. I think he continues to fail this country. 
uh, and I'm not sure that uh, that anybody has the confidence in, uh, in 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 Canada as a place to come, a place to grow, a place to raise your family, uh, and a place to just live your lives. Work harder, getting ahead. I think all of those things are missing. So like you, you didn't even you didn't even get part marks on uh, you know when you do the math equation and you're like oh we'll give the kids some part marks for uh, for trying. Like he doesn't even get he doesn't even get part marks for trying because I just don't think he's trying. Um, I think our relationships with uh, with with countries around the world are 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 worse than they ever had been. Maybe there's an exception, but I can't think of one right now. Um, I think that Canadians see Canada as a place that they would rather leave uh, than come and start a, a new life, and I think that's very very dangerous. And I'm not sure what we're doing here. Uh, and with with Jagmeet Singh, you know, I think he negotiated a few things out of this uh, out of this prime minister. So I give him a little bit of a better grade than a failing grade, at least at least. At least the NDP believes in something, so you can almost respect that. And at least they're 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 um, you know they're 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 aiming for something. They're aiming to get something for for their electorate. But I think uh, you know I, I think that he was duped into uh, into a bad marriage, and yeah. uh, and we'll see what happens. The only thing that I do know is that it's going to cost us a lot of money, whatever this experiment is. Interesting. So we're giving. What, do you, what about you? Well. First of all, uh, I guess in the uh, in the drama uh, category, yeah. we're going to go different categories. You know, having part time experience in that, um, I can't even give I can't even give a passing grade either. You know, at this point, um, it it feels like in my mind when I was watching this as an outsider, I don't think Justin really even wanted this term. I think that he felt like he had to do it. I think now he's here, kind of like a deer in the headlights, and like get me out of this term as quickly as possible. Right. That's what it kind of feels like. I've watched leaders of, of heads of industries. It doesn't feel like somebody that I'm going to be in the forefront. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to find a way for you. It's just get me out of here as quickly as possible. And guys, good luck. And I'll just slap it together. That's and that doesn't invoke to me leadership and true feeling of of comfort. And that's where I feel the party's at there. I think that they're going to once he's going to be gone. I don't know who's going to take over for him, but they're going to have a hill to climb. And that's what they chose. It's like when you mortgage your future and when you sell your soul to the devil, so to speak, you're going to have to pay for that. And I think they're going to have a lot of years to rebuild afterwards. And from Jagmeet's point of view, I think he looks great on Instagram. And I think he relates to the people he's supposed to. It's just that at the end of the day, with the platform they're going to put on, there's always going to be a ceiling. Sure. There's only so ways you can go. Yeah, with they're it. not running to be government. They're not. They're like, they're, it's, it, it, when I was a kid, it was a glorified Green Party. And there was, and it was various points that Jagmeet was going to be ousted. That was the, the world on the street. And he pulled it through. But at the end of the day, there's just a ceiling of what you can go through at sure. the end of the day. It just saddens me that at the end of the day, when, when I when I watch it outside as a business owner, that more Canadians don't band together, understand and really take the time to speak to their leaders and understand what the true ramifications are and to be able to put a country together and a leadership group in that can can lead us going forward. And and that's one of the things we will talk about is because in the Conservative Party, we do have the uh, the election coming up from the head Absolutely. there. Uh, you know what? Why don't we jump into there? Because I think it's a very good segue because it is coming up. And number one, why are, why do we not see your name on the ballot? Well, I've I'm, I've got my best years uh, ahead of me. I've got a lot to learn, and uh, I'm supporting my friend Pierre uh, in this one. Uh, he's 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 a longtime friend. He was a big supporter of mine uh, yes. when I decided to seek this uh, this nomination, and has been a great mentor throughout my my political life. Uh, and I think that he's going to be the next Prime Minister of Canada, and I want to help him, and I want to serve in uh, in his government. So that's that's the answer to that. But we have a really unique opportunity in the uh, in the Conservative Party because I think there's there's a lot of frustration, there's a lot of anger, and whether you, you know, whether it's about COVID or whether it's about um, you know. It, whatever it is, whether it's about, you know, it's, you've got a hard time getting by, uh, filling your car with gas, paying rent, uh, buying food. There is anger and there is frustration and there is a government in Ottawa that is not listening to anyone. So we have a unique opportunity as conservatives to fight on our issue. We are, we are fiscal conservatives. We are the party of, 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 of freedom, of liberty, of democracy, of the rule of law. Uh, and there is no better time right now in this country than to show Canadians that we are ready to govern and we can be trusted to govern. Uh, and for us in, within our own party to have a conversation of what that looks like. So if you had to give Pierre another, put that hat back on, if we're going to have Pierre a report card so far of what he's done, 
what do you think is going right for him? Like, what? look, so far, I mean, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, I mean, he's he's drawing crowds. Uh, yeah. You know, in the in the last number of weeks in in, in Calgary, he had a crowd of six and a half thousand people. Uh, in in places like Kelowna, uh, in in BC, we you know we brought him through uh, Thornhill, and and we brought him through very early on in the in the process. This was his first stop, so. Yeah. Uh, I got more flack on, hey, how come you didn't tell me that Pierre was here? We were still under some kind of weird COVID restrictions, but, um, but uh, you know, I got more flack of, man, I really wanted to meet him. So th- th- he's drawing in, he's drawing on massive amounts of people who yes. are uh, outside of the realm of what a traditional conservative voter is. Uh, and I think, you know, I think this is more than just a politician. I think this is a movement and it's, you know, I'd like to hear the people argue about, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. People, you know, yes. a number of people don't matter. They do. People aren't engaged in politics. They haven't been engaged in politics in a long time. And I think Pierre is tapping into something um, that's really unique and special and is going to answer the frustration, is going to get us back on, uh, you know, on the right side of history on, on, and in a, in a sustainable future that, uh, well, that your kids aren't going to pay for, maybe. I think he jumped and put his hat in very early on. Yeah. And I think that really worked in his favor. For sure. In my mind, it's going to come down to him or Brown, Patrick Brown. Yeah. I think those are the two horses that I most see in this race and neck and neck as far as where they're going to go. Uh, I'm very interested in watching the debates For and sure. seeing where it's going to head. Uh, hopefully not too much mudslinging, but that's politics, right? It's inevitable. Yeah, the worst fights are the the family fights, right? Like right. The worst fights are, are the ones amongst conservatives. But you know the 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 even the the topics of debate even the direction of the party even mm. the conversations that we're having amongst uh you know uh, amongst each other is you know we're at a we're at a crossroads either we figure something out and the vision that we want uh to 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 put to canadians for 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 them to have the trust to to make us government uh you know or or we go into this weird you know permanent opposition so this is this is the this is the juncture where we get to have that conversation, and I you know I look forward to, uh, you know to 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 talking about the the issues that that make us conservatives, uh, and then hopefully sharing that with uh, with the rest of the the GTA, so I can have some friends in uh, in caucus. How how does it work though? Like as a layman now, uh, when you're when you're speaking this way, I'm I'm thinking of the whole family dynamic, right? Yeah. So does it become awkward though when you do endorse a candidate? So for example, if you're seated beside Patrick or another candidate, and they know that you're endorsing Pierre, does there any kind of awkwardness that way, or is yeah, it? Yeah. Understood- look, I think you know. I think at the end of the day, I think politicians that are the most successful are the ones that are respectful. So. You know, you can endorse a candidate because you think they're going to be prime minister and you, you, you believe in their vision. Um, you don't have to you don't have to like throw mud at the other uh, at the other conservatives. I've done that once before. I yeah. learned my lesson yes. uh, and I've never done that since. And, uh, you know, you you either learn your lesson the hard way where you were raised right um, or you're a POS that uh, that just goes after uh, other candidates. Uh and that makes it awkward. <laughs> my my favorite elections and my favorite candidates always are the ones at the end of the day that try to avoid that mudslinging. Sure. They stick to the topics. They stick to the issues. They they connect with people. They focus on those relationships. And when you when you come across as a strong leader and you're encompassing, I think that at the end of the day, I think you're gonna you're gonna end up with the best result, in my opinion. I think you're right. But uh, it'll be interesting. And, and like you said, it's a very interesting time right now in Canada. And ultimately, now, when you're looking into the future of where we're at, and unfortunately, you know, for a lot of non-Canadians, when they talk about Canada, we're not in a great place right now. We're not seeing great in the world eye. And that's a sad thing because we are a great nation and we we have so much promise and we've had such a rich history. And I, I would love to see a beautiful future for Canada. That being said, to get that future that we deserve and we need, what do we need from a party and what do we need from a leader ultimately in your mind? Well, we need we need somebody who's unafraid of, uh, you know, it's, it's almost weird. It's almost when you're not when you're not offended, it's like offensive. Um, we're in this we're in this woke era of politics of not do the right thing, but do the popular thing. Yeah. Uh, and and when you choose principle over popularity, when you choose fiscal responsibility over recklessness, when you choose to be uh, a, you know a light in the world of freedom, of democracy, of the rule of law, uh, you know versus going along to get along and dressing up in the costume while you do it uh, uh, abroad. I think there's a big difference in the way that Canadians feel about their country uh, and uh, and the world sees us. Uh, you know, I, I I think that we have we have the when when we talk, people listen. Yeah. 
Uh, and if we say nonsense, they'll stop listening. And I think that's what's happened now. So there is, you know, there is a lot of opportunity for for a leader to put down, you know, to put down a uh, or to put forward a vision to uh, to Canadians about what we want to be. How many people do we want in this country? What do we, you know, what do we want? Uh, GDP growth, like what, where, what are our benchmarks? Uh, what kind of businesses do we want to attract? What, like, can we exploit our natural resources to be a powerful force of good in the world? You know, rather than, uh, you know, have 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 the government that we currently have treated as a, as an environmental Loch Ness monster. You know, we have we have so much to uh, to give the world. We have so much talent uh, uh, in Canada. We've got again, we've got enough. We've got enough food to 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 grow our own. We've we've got enough resources to make us uh, again in energy independent. We've got all these things, and if we don't, we can tap into them. And if we have this, the right climate uh, and 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 it's attractive. Uh, then we'll have plenty of private capital, uh, plenty of uh, foreign capital coming into the country saying, we believe in you. This is the place where we want to do business. This is the place where we want to live. This is the place where we want to raise our family. This is the place where we want to stay. I don't hear anybody talking like that. No. But, you know, the most exciting times when I think of Canada, where we're the hub for movies. Everybody wants to film here. Everybody wants to go into our production facilities. Bay Street is is, is uh, hustling. Sure. And, and, and there's excitement in the air. When giant companies want to put production facilities, want to put head offices here, those days were there, and I think they will come again. And that's I hope so. We've got to stop punishing people for doing well here, yeah. and that's what people feel. The, the better that you do, the more that you are punished by by this government. Whether it's a tax on a car that you want to drive, or uh, uh, or a regret, or a tax on your on your business that you can't afford. You know how to how to how to have a small business in this country. Oh. You start with a really, really big one. <laughs> that's that's and and you think it's a joke, but yeah. it's you know it's the real deal in uh, in Canada. Uh, and I'm worried that we don't have the same attractive place. I'm worried that if the you know I love this country. I think it's the best country in the world. I yes. choose it a hundred times out of a hundred. But I'm afraid that if my parents had the choice again to come to Canada or go somewhere else, I'm afraid that they would go somewhere else because of the gatekeepers in our economy and because of the direction that we're going. It's almost like the measuring stick for me is the ability to get mortgages, to get loans. Sure. If you're a business or if you're uh, a residence owner or a future residence owner, and it feels like at times you can't get the money unless you don't need it. And that's, right. that's a scary proposition. Well, there is there is one thing that has gotten cheaper in this country. What's that? Money. That's under <laughs> under Justin Trudeau. The only thing that has become cheaper is uh, is money, and we are printing more of it, and we have you know we have less you know we we've we've got you know more money flow of flooding the economy, yes. chasing less goods, making everything more ex expensive for you know for you and I and and everybody around us, and people are feeling it. That's the number one issue. The number one issue is that we are in a cost of living crisis. If you if you were sat two years ago and you had X amount of money sitting in, under your mattress and you didn't go and buy goods with it or investments or what be it, all of a sudden you come two years later, like this money can barely buy what it that's could. That's right. Yeah. It's worth less. And that's where you're seeing people putting money in things like cars and watches all of a sudden. And mm -hmm. those are appreciating like crazy because you have to have goods you have to, or buy stocks or whatever you can do. The one thing you do not want to hold on to money, and that's that's sad. For sure, and uh, and look, those those are the lucky decisions that uh, that lots of people get to Amen. make, and Amen. and there is a huge disparity between. There is a lot of hidden poverty, in our community, in communities uh, uh, around us, and it's getting worse. And if you don't have super rich parents, yes. like good luck to you. So one of the things I wanted to sum up today's podcast with is the idea of the different levels of government because you know you have municipal you have provincial you have federal and you've seen people that come across the different sects right you have, you have patrick that was in uh sure. he, he was he was in ontario politics then he was you know he's a mayor gonna go to federal and it's amazing how people can go across different uh levels from that end of it for yourself you know we talked about it and i was saying that i can definitely see the future of where you're headed and we can see you as the future prime minister of canada definitely you have the young vote you have the energy, you have the drive, you're an intelligent person, and you want to help your country. And I think that authentically comes through. To, to see your course of your future, to get you there in the future, how do you see that happening? Well, I've got a, I've got a long way to go and, uh, and no promises. Again, you can yes. make all the plans you want. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes others have different plans for you. But, you know, at the end of the day, I do want to change. 
I, I want to change things that are much bigger than uh, than Thornhill. I want to change the direction of uh, of this country. I want it to go in a different direction. I want it to reflect our values, our 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 shared values as a as a community. I want to be a strong voice for for Thornhill. So I don't know what the the future holds, but I know that every single thing I I I have done, I will continue to promise to serve with humility yes. and to work super hard uh, and to reflect the the values of the people that put me in that. That's Thor I'm, I just hold the seat for Thornhill. I just I just sit in this the seat is Thornhill's seat. Yes. The office is Thornhill's office. The Parliament Hill office is Thornhill's office. Uh, I'm just I'm just warming the seat and doing the best that I can in the in the time that I have and uh, and hopefully the the good people of Thornhill will continue to trust me to do that yes. and I can continue to play a big role in either holding this government to account for the silly silly decisions that it makes mm -hmm. uh, or playing a role in a future government uh, uh, hopefully a big role. That being said, when people see your picture and they and they and they read about you, to understand Melissa Lansman. At the end of the day, it, it's not a solo operation, right? No. What to to be an MP in Thornhill? What kind of team? How does that work? I have an amazing staff. Uh, I have an amazing volunteer base. Uh, it's a young volunteer base. I was raised, and I always say this: I was raised by the Jewish community. I, I had mom and dad who worked really hard, and yes. uh, and yeah, they they paid attention. But I was I was raised by you know by the Hillels of the world and 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 things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, they were always places that, uh, you know, that you can, uh, you can learn, you can learn those values, but they always made you comfortable to act on, on the, on the values that were, that were brought to, uh, you know, th that were taught to you when you were, when you were young. Melissa Lanceman is, is just, you know, is just the person that occupies the seat in, uh, in Thornhill. This seat is the community seat and yes. I am a product of the community. Very, very humble. And that's very much appreciated. Uh, ultimately, Melissa, when people want to get in touch with you, sure. if they, they want to support you, support what you're doing in the community, uh, support the Conservative Party, how do they do that? How do they get in touch with you? I'm the easiest person to find. I'm on every social media channel. TikTok? I, TikTok. I do the TikTok. Okay. Um, I do the TikTok. I do the uh, I on the know, YouTube? I don't know how to do the TikTok, uh, but I've got lots of people who teach me how to do that stuff. I'm a late stage millennial, so okay. my knowledge of like of, of social media is like just a little bit better than like the parents. Okay. Um, so you can Instagram, Facebook, it's all Melissa Lanceman, melissalanceman.ca. You can sign up for our newsletter. We are super busy. And if you have something that's going on in the community um, and, uh, and we can work together on something, um, holler. Like there's always somebody in this office and half the riding has my cell phone number. The other half will have it soon. Love it. Love it. Well, Melissa, it's been an ultra pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Your your team came together really quick to agree for this. And we really appreciate that. And I appreciate your timing. Like you are a very busy person and your schedule. I know they have you slotted always as far as phone calls and, and being in different events. So for you to take that time, it's the most precious commodity you have. And you gave that today for us and our viewers. So really appreciate that. Thank Thanks you for so much for having me. And hope to have you back soon. Absolutely. So when we sign off, we do our flex. We're doing our flex. And we say, keep living the chosen life. Keep living the chosen life. Thank you.